Good morning. Welcome each one to the service this morning. God has been good to us so far. Appreciated the songs and just uh, lifting up our voices and praise to God. <clears throat> also, uh, Psalms 91, that's a very blessed chapter. Also, uh, I was thinking of the songs, Peace, Perfect Peace, in This Dark World of Sin. And truly, we do live in a world of sin, and, and uh, God is calling us to peace, and we can have peace in Christ, and that's such a promise. Um, another song we sang, too, about, uh, I know, I know that my Redeemer liveth, it says, I know, I know, numerous times throughout that song, and just uh, sometimes I wonder if we, if we truly believe we truly believe that. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, For I am persuaded, and he goes on to say, for I guess what stood out to me in that, he has a list of things there, but I am, for I am persuaded. And uh, I think we need to have some of that in our lives, that we're persuaded that uh, of some of these things. <clears throat> There's peace in Christ and we can uh, live above the world. Maybe before we start, I'd like to ask for two brothers to lead out in prayer. If we could rise and, and I'll close.
Yes, Father in heaven, we come before you this morning in your precious, worthy name. Father, we thank you for a new day that you have given to us that we have to serve you and to worship you. Father, we also do want to thank you for coming to this earth and coming as a baby, Father, and living here. And then you also went to the cross, you shed your precious blood so that we can have salvation. And you're now seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for us to the Father. And we just praise your name for that, God. And we do ask that you would be with us here this morning. We ask for your blessing upon us. We do pray that you'd be with me and help me to share what you've given me, Father, that we could uh, that we could all grow together, Father, in learning to know you in a more deeper way. Father, I pray that you would deliver us from distractions this morning, Father, and just help us to to uh, to guard our hearts and to to draw our to draw our minds to you, Father. I pray and. We also ask for your blessing upon the remainder of the service. We know all is vain unless you come down and meet with us, Father. And we do ask that each one of us would be able to grasp something this morning that would make a difference in our Christian walk, Father. We just commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This morning I'd like to talk about... Um, my title is, Where is Your Treasure? And it's something I'm sure we're all aware of and something we think about ever so often. We should probably think about it more than we do. Um, so I'd like to read out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24. This will be our text verses here this morning, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. There's a lot in this chapter, and I guess we'll just kind of break in here. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. This was a passage I was reading out of here recently in my devotions, and this uh, verse 21 stood out to me. 
It's very uh, simple and not much in there, but yet it's very profound. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Also, I don't know how many of you read the recent Remnant, but uh, there was an article in there for the youth, I think it was, that Gary Miller had wrote, and there was a paragraph in there that also touched on this verse a little bit. I thought it was real good, but I guess just uh, <clears throat> just the question, I guess, you know, what am I laying up? Am I laying up treasures in heaven or on earth? And I guess I feel it's something I need to ask myself often. It's easy to... This world has a way of, um, of dulling our senses, and, and we tend to live in the here and the now, and the things that we can see and feel. And So this is, for me, this morning, this message. and um, Obviously, we have to live in this world, and our lives, you know, in most respects, revolve around um, possessions and money, and it's uh, something we have to, we need to, to live here. And uh, it's not all wrong to have money and possessions, but it does matter where our treasure is and what our heart is looking to for fulfillment and satisfaction. So the question is, you know, are we finding satisfaction in serving Jesus or in temporal things that are going to pass away? So the first thing I'd like to look at is what are treasures. Um, one definition, this Greek word definition, definition, I'm not quite sure how to say it. Um, these are us. It refers to the place in which good and precious things are collected and laid up. So if we think about that uh, in regards to our hearts says, the place in which good and precious things are collected and laid up. A treasure is that upon which you place your affections and attention. It may be your money, possessions, reputation, honor, praise, relationships, or time. Your treasure is your attitude toward your possessions. It is whatever you most eagerly strive to attain. It is that which you most dread to lose. You can recognize your treasures by that which you think is most important to you, that which you believe you cannot do without, that which brings you the greatest pleasure and satisfaction, and that which you think most about. You might give up other things, but you are not willing to part with your treasure. And I think this includes every one of us, whether we're young or old or rich or poor. We all have treasures, and... Uh, I don't think Jesus was just um, giving this this exhortation to the rich. It was also it was anyone, everyone. We might all have different places in in life and in you know in our riches, but or in uh, where we're at in possessions. If we value or treasure something in this world so deeply that we risk losing our salvation, then we need to uh, realize that we have our heart in the wrong place and need to change our values. I think that's a good um, thing to look at. Sometimes we have to adjust our values and where our heart is at. And it's actually a 
It's actually a blessing because it says here, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we have a very tangible way of seeing where our heart is at by uh, what treasures we're laying up and where our, uh, um, where our affections and attention is turned towards. It's not necessarily only, like sometimes we think of treasures as something uh, tangible or something we can see. Um, or something precious. Well, it is precious, but there's also the aspect of uh, um, in our mind um, where we're having our affections and attention on on things that are of this world. I'd like to read a quote here uh, from Matthew Henry. It says, Worldly-mindedness is as common and as fatal a symptom of hypocrisy as any other. For by no sin can Satan have a surer and faster hold of the soul under the cloak of a visible and passable profession of religion than by this. And therefore Christ, having warned us against coveting the praise of men, proceeds next to warn, to warn us against coveting the wealth of the world. And this also we must take heed, lest we be as the hypocrites are, and do as they do. And right before this, what we read in verse 19, it was talking about, um, about fasting, being as the hypocrites, and where they do these things to be seen of men. And it is interesting that right after that, he goes into this um, laying up treasures in heaven. Uh, going on here, <clears throat> the fundamental error that they are guilty of is that they choose the world for their reward. We must therefore take heed of hypocrisy and worldly-mindedness in the choice we make of our treasure, our end, and our masters. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Another way of saying it would be the heart is a well from which all the issues of life gush forth. We can see where we're at fairly easily by the things we talk about the most. Um, our heart is our, it's our most inner part of us. We need to make a conscious effort each and every moment of our life to guard our hearts so that it follows hard after God. And as we read in uh, verse 24, we cannot serve God and mammon. We can't have a little bit of the world and a little bit of Jesus, which we all know that. But sometimes we need to be reminded <clears throat> we can only have one. Why, why we don't want to lay up treasures on earth? Um, in verse 19 it, said, it says, Lay not up for yourselves. And it gives a personal sense. It's not, uh, I guess why I thought of it, it doesn't say, a church body or church brothers or someone else. But it says yourself. And we each personally are held responsible for our own hearts and where we are laying up our treasures. Um, we can't expect if we, if we go to church or, uh, or do maybe some of the right things that we're going to automatically be laying up treasures in heaven, which some of those things are right. But we need to take... We need to make a personal choice in each one of our hearts. I'm going to strive to not lay up treasures here on this earth, but in heaven. 
I'd also like to go to a few examples of people here in the Bible, of men in the Bible that, uh, that laid up treasures here on this earth and what the outcome was. Um, the first one is the story of Achan. So we'll go to Joshua chapter 16, or chapter 6, verse 17 to 18. We'll just uh, briefly go over that account. In chapter 6, verse 17 to 18, uh, God is telling them, this was right after they, uh, the walls of Jericho came down, and God is telling them, uh, he's giving them a command here, it says, And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves a curse when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So then we go into chapter 7, and we won't read the whole story here, but um, the children of Israel, some of their men, went up to battle with Ai. And there was like 3,000 men. They went up to Ai, and here, you know, a lot of times, if we read about Israel going to battle, a lot of times they were the ones that were, you know, God was with them and they were winning. Well, here this time, um, the men of Ai were were uh, smiting the Israelites, and they ran away. They were scared. So Joshua says in verse 6, He ran his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. And he asked the Lord, you know, what, what happened? What, why didn't this work out? So then they, uh, oh, well, we'll just read here in verse 11. Uh, Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. So then they go through, uh, through the, trying to figure out who it was. And then we come to verse 19. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Bab Babylonish garment and two hundred shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So, yeah, Joshua sent a messenger. They went and found the things under his tent. And in verse 25, they stoned him, and he died. That's a very sad ending. But all because he disobeyed the Lord, God had told them not to take any of those things. But when he saw that money, he, uh, he couldn't resist, and he disobeyed. had a very sad ending. Uh, I'd like to also go to the parable of the of the rich fool in Luke 12. We'll start in chapter 12, verse 15. It says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of 
consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. I'd like to go now to the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. Verse 16 to 22. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which, Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. That account there is always was kind of amazing to me as I looked at it again. We see that he kept a lot of good things. He loved his, even loved his neighbor as himself. But as soon as Jesus told him about his riches, he decided he couldn't, he couldn't do that because he had great possessions. And that's sad that that happened. But some, I guess I was thinking about it. You know, some of these things that he said he kept from his youth up, um, you know, it's like, well, you know, yeah, we wouldn't murder. We don't do adultery or steal or bear false witness, at least to a certain extent. You know, those things are pretty bad. But then when it comes down to his possessions, that, that comes pretty close to us, I think, more than we think sometimes. Um, and that's the only thing that kept him out of heaven because of his possessions. So I think it does us good <clears throat> to think about that. Where is our treasure? Is our possessions our treasure? Sometimes it's good to imagine how would my heart respond if all my things were taken away from me in a moment, maybe from some calamity that would come. Would it put me under or would my faith be in Jesus so that if all my possessions were taken away that I could still be thankful and be rejoicing in the Lord? Going back to uh, Matthew 6, it talks about, uh, <clears throat> I just thought I might go over a few things here. It says, where moth and rust doth corrupt. If we're laying up treasures here on this earth, it says, um, moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. And obviously, you know, here in Iowa, we know what rust can do to, uh, you think of a truck or a vehicle, you know, in a year or two, it can be rusty very easily. 
And I've always been somewhat surprised at that, how fast rust can, can eat into a frame or something, unless we take precautions to protect it. Or even thieves, the things here on this earth, you know, they're subject to thieves breaking in and stealing our things. And, uh, you know, some people go to great effort to, uh, to put security around their things and, you know, fences and cameras and all those things to try and protect their things. Well, for us as the children of God, that's, I don't feel that's something we need to, we need to do. Um, I guess there may be a place for offense um, sometimes, but for the most part here and where we live, it's not an issue of um, thieves breaking in and taking things. But I guess I'm, I was thinking, you know, if we feel if we have a treasure that we feel we have to put something around it, you know, and try to protect it and make sure nobody can get it, and maybe we need to check our motive and see why we have that feeling. Why should we lay up treasures in heaven? Uh, verse 20, it says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Heavenly treasures are eternal. Um, they won't rust. Uh, thieves can't break in and steal them. They will last. Everything here on this earth has a possibility of, of disappearing or uh, rusting away. I'd like to read in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And, you know, that's, uh, it, it can be hard to do because, you know, it's hard to, uh, um, it's easier to, I'm not quite sure how to say it. The things that we can see are easier, like if we think about faith, um, if we see something with our eyes, it's easier to believe it than if we can't see it. So it does take faith to, uh, to make this work out with laying up treasures in heaven because we do have to look at the things that are not seen. <clears throat> Life is real and the devil is doing all he can to distract us with his glitter and glamour. As humans, we tend to look at the things we can see, hold and smell as our treasures, but we need to realize that our, all our vehicles, houses, money, gadgets, and all those material possessions are not permanent. They are temporal. So then going down to verse 22, I'd like to just ask the question, how is our vision? It says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. <clears throat> if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? If our eye is singly focused, we will have light. But if it is evil and focused on earthly things, our body will be full of darkness. And if we, uh, you know, if our, if our body is full of darkness and our eyes are looking at the close things, you know, we, we'll have a blurred vision. 
and we won't be able to see clearly. Um, just looking at two examples of godly men that had good eternal vision, in Hebrews 11, we read about uh, Abraham and Moses. They clearly saw the reward, and that motivated them to do what was right. In uh, verse 17 and 18, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And then uh, going to verse 24, about Moses, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. It's a beautiful example of someone who saw the reward at the end, <clears throat> choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. To quote here, do you see spiritual things clearly, or is your vision of God and his will for your life clouded by spiritual cataracts or nearsightedness brought on by an unhealthy preoccupation with things? I am convinced that this is true for many Christians, particularly those living in the midst of Western affluence. What treasures should we treasure? I'd like to read here in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 to 19. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. And that, I feel, covers... A lot of the aspects that we talked about, laying up in store for themselves, and you know that gives the idea if you lay up in store, you know, storing up um, good treasures, a good foundation. We know that is eternal, um, eternal treasures that they may lay hold on eternal life. And I know, and we also read here how God has given us given us richly all things to enjoy. And I, you know, God wants us to enjoy life. It's not like we're, you know, um, always, you know, just kind of under this uh, heavy load of trying to make sure that we're always thinking the right things and having the right motives and attitudes. But um, it does say, God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. There is joy in serving Christ, and God does want to help us with this so that we can we can do it his way. And then I guess just to kind of sum it up, in Matthew 6, verse 33, it says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So I guess if we can take that verse and, and think about it, I think it will change our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which... I think I've said this before, but that word righteousness means right standing and right living, conformity to the will of God in thought, purpose, and action. And that encompasses our whole life.
May God help us with that. I hope you're encouraged. Keep serving the Lord.